to to do this with us. I think we'll have a really good really good time talking. Yeah. We yeah, both learned so much from you, so it'll be awesome. For... Yeah, one hundred percent. So you guys are gonna have to reciprocate because my podcast is coming out fairly soon, also. So I'm gonna have to get you guys on there. We're an our right. tag team. You got to get us both. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, uh, CT. Yes, sir. Here we go, everybody. Welcome back. What episode are we on? Oh, three. We're going three. We're going. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode three cutoffs and coffee. As you see, CT, Coach James, we're back here with our coffee in our cutoffs. Really excited about today's conversation. We have. Where do we even start? Owner, pro sports and performance out of Strongsville, Ohio, as well as head coach at P- of PSP Weightlifting, former professional football player. Uh, I mean, heavy, heavy, heavy lifter. Um, excellent guy. Uh, James and I both have an awesome relationship with this guy, so I'll let James get into that a little more. We, we all met um, doing the same thing, doing certifications through USAW, um, and we're really excited to sit down and have this conversation. James, I'll let you take it away and introduce our guy, Reggie Hodgson. Sweet. So yeah, we're uh, super stoked to have you, Reggie. Um, you know, and and CT. You know, some summed up uh, your your career um, there, and you know, you've just done a lot of impressive things. Uh, you know, on a, on a scale that that's really big uh, in a lot of different areas. You know, um, being a being a Browns fan my whole life. You know, knowing your foot and knowing how deadly it was. Um, you know, always, always something cool, you know, um, you know, from, from that end, just like how flexible and powerful you had to be as a punter. Um, and we'll get into some of that, you know, as we get going here, but, um, you know, it, it, in my career as a strength coach, there's been certain times where like something hit me and it changed the way I completely thought about everything. Um, and, and taking my USAW level one with you was one of those moments. Um, you brought in Al as one of the demo lifters that day, um, and Brock and, um, seeing Olympic weightlifting the way it should have been done in, in person live at those speeds changed how I thought about movement. Um, and I have been impacted as a coach by it. So first, thanks for that. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's the, the way that you coach, um, is, is also super, um, high level from how you communicate with your athletes. So, uh, just super pumped to have you. Um, and, and the first question I want to go, go into is, is who introduced you to weightlifting and, and how long ago was that? Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me guys. It's, it's an honor to hang with you guys. You guys are the, the most energetic, fun group that I get to work with. Man, you guys are awesome. I, I, I value what you guys bring to the game as coaches, um, hunger for learning and just your energy level, man. It's, it's, it's really transparent. Your kids are getting better and it's obvious because of, how hard you guys work at it. So I'm, I'm honored to, to help you guys and to just to be connected with you guys in general. So, so much love there. Um, yeah, connected with weightlifting when I was little. Um, my dad was a competitive power lifter. So I grew up in the garage trying to pick up stuff that I wasn't supposed to pick up. Um, sneaking in there in the garage to try to deadlift something. Um, so that was, that was like routine for us was Saturday, um, Saturday mornings from probably like, I remember when I was like five to probably 10 years old, we'd get up, dad had to meet, or dad had to go train, and we'd help him get in and out of his singlets and, and, and in, a, in a sweaty gym for hours and hours just watching him get after it. it was, that, was, that was my introduction, my introduction to like strength in general. It's like, and that's big man. He was, you know, competed in the 242s. He, you know, back squatted, he back squatted close to seven, pulled close to eight, and, you know, bench, bench 450-ish in a, 
clean divisions before it was uh, before drugs got super popular. And he was just he was just a stud. And he introduced me to what being strong was, um, not only competitively but also as a man also. So I learned a lot there. Um, as far as like weightlifting, competitive weightlifting goes, um, introduced to introduced to it by a, a gal named Becky Levi, and she has probably the most impressive resume of sports I've ever seen. Um, she was a, a, a national champion thrower um, at the University of Kansas. Um, she was runner-up, she was on the world team, um, world team trial participants and got a runner-up for weightlifting national jerk. Um, and I don't remember what class she was a, I think she was a heavyweight. Um, she was the first MMA, female MMA fighter to fight overseas. Um, in Asia and win. She went beat, beat, a, beat a, a Japanese champion that I know they said was unbeatable and this American girl comes over here and thrashes her. She's, I mean, she's just an amazing, amazing woman. She's been a mentor and a close friend for, I met her in 2005, so so 15 years now. And she she's the one who started, taught me how to weightlift. Um, I was I was at a, a gym in Fort Wayne, Indiana um, called the Speed Field House and I was just doing some classic football power power cleans that were you know straps on just yanking on it no mm -hmm. no concepts of like the front rack position or how to transition to going to the bar it was just you yanking on it just that's what I was doing she walked up to me and she was like hey man uh this area is designated for, for weightlifters so if you want to continue to do it like that you know I'm gonna have to actually stick to the other side of your mouth it's like yeah, whatever so I was like, cool, whatever. She was like, she was gracious. She was like, if you want me to teach you how to do it right, I'd be happy to do that also, just to put that out there. And I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. So finished my little workout and left. And as I'm walking out, I look over and I see and that resume I just kind of talked about and saw on the wall. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is somebody I need to learn from. So I tucked my tail between my legs and walked back in the back. And I was like, hey, I would, you know, I'm sorry for being disrespectful. Please don't hurt me. Uh, again, you know, I'd love to I'd be honored to learn from you. And since that day, um, we started over. She taught me anything and everything I wanted to know about weightlifting, um, as far as movement goes, as far as how to coach it, how to how to program it. Uh, she started me on the trajectory of thinking about biomechanics and body and physiology and how anatomy plays in and how can we blend it into a sports performance program. And she taught me um, a lot. So I spent my I spent my time in the NFL like focused on snatch cleaner. Um, and just enjoying what she was teaching me overall. So, so Becky was the one who, who really got me started and taught me from a high level very early. Now, personally, like, you know, from going, you know, from what you were, you know, the training you were talking about, like tr traditional powerlifting, um, you know, lift as heavy as you can, and then transitioning from that into weightlifting, were you able to, like, feel the difference, you know, on the field as well with, with how you're able to move and how you're able to produce force? Yeah, for, well, Yes, that was weightlifting was perfect for me because it takes all of those things to be able to accomplish the lift. Like you got to be, you got to be pretty aware of your body. Uh, athleticism is just not enough. You know, there's a lot of good athletes who can't snatch things and jerk because they don't have the awareness to do that. Um, but my position was highly detailed. Just putting the football, trying to figure out how to hit the ball 45 yards to the right sideline to hit a nickel or hit a nickel with the ball. Like that's the kind of precision mm. you got to have to play in the NFL. Um, so that's kind of where my mind is on, as far as like how does my body need to operate to be able to make that happen and weightlifting is the same way like you've got to have a good understanding of what your body's trying to do to be able to accomplish heavy lifts done fast so um, I spent a lot of time you know understanding those principles 
and learning how to understand those so they could be applicable when I needed them. That's awesome. I mean, I see the like the singularity of one punt, you know, very you know, juxtaposed, you know, next to one lift. You know, it's one movement, but it's so many movements that go into it. I can definitely see how that that would tie into it. Um, you know, I think I think CT was gonna uh, bring up you your, know I, your transition. Yeah, so I wanted to ask even before that because you know playing playing professional football not at the level you did, obviously, Reggie, but but playing a, a high level of football. Um, I know I got some. I've probably been training the Olympic movements since 2014. Right. So maybe six years or so now in season um, and had always feel explosive, have always felt stronger, more mobile through doing it. But I got a lot of resistance from coaches and athletes. Right. And so people who, oh, he's uh, he must be a crossfitter was a big thing that, that people would say. Um, and people don't really understand what we're trying to accomplish unless you sit down and talk to them. Did you see a lot of pushback from that in your in your weight rooms when you when you were working on cleans and snatches? Um, not 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 a ton. Because I now let me say I was very very fortunate to have some really good strength coaches um, in college. Both of them were um, Olympic weightlifting focused. So oh, nice. um, Aaron Wellman, um, he he was he just finished actually with the Giants um, for a few years. And before that, I got named Wade Russell. So all four all four years of of at Mia Ball State were with programs that involved Olympic weightlifting. So I, I was I, I that's almost like. I just kind of like ushered into it really, really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, from from what I've hear, I'm hearing from a lot of guys from different schools is, um, you know, the the lack of knowledge of how to teach it well and how to teach it safely was the reason that I've been seeing some pushback um, from high school coaches around, or from even college and some professional um, guys that you know they just don't buy in just because it's maybe not their expertise. Now there's mm-hmm. so we, we all know that there's so many different ways to make somebody explosive and to make them strong. There's no doubt about it. So if you if you can get creative with your modules, like you can you can get the same job done. But as right. far as the, the lifts go, I mean that's I mean that's that's the weightlifting is king in my opinion. Right. I mean there's a, there's data to back that. Um, the, the the drawback the, or not the drawback the the resistance that I would see was my position right because punter usually you know punter kickers aren't we're not known for being super strong or really really explosive we're known for being skilled mm-hmm. guys who have mastered a skill and can do something really really well and it doesn't necessarily equate to um big explosive movements and that's how it was seen that's how it was looked at so when a punter can you know snatch 120 kilos 125 kilos it looks like well he's gonna hurt himself kind of stuff but we're not used mm. to an athlete that knows how to punt. We're used to a punter that we have to teach how to be an athlete, that kind of thing. So those are those. That's some of the drawback that I would see. And I was I was around some really good strength coaches when I was in the league too. I got I mean I got kicked around a bunch. I played eight years, um, and most of the coaches I'd say six out of eight of them were were cool with it as long as I could demonstrate that I could do it safely and do it right. Um, and I didn't get too much about it. There were a couple guys who were like, hey, just let's we're gonna stick to the FMS and we're gonna we're gonna do our unilateral stuff and we're gonna leg pressure a little bit we'll make sure you're flexible and keep it moving I was, those are those are the guys that i didn't really jive with very well just because like want to lift and be explosive and i thought that was best for me um but for the most part the the, the guys were the guys that i had in the league were, were, were well-rounded enough to be able to teach yeah. it to a teach it to a degree that 
we could use it and implement it um, for the team. And some of the guys that knew how to do it well, they kind of like, well, all right, I'm going to use, use some discretion here. Like, let's not go, let's not go super heavy, like week 14 a year. But if you, if you feel like you want to edge, you feel like you want to snatch the injury or something, like, you know, maybe take, maybe take 70% and just get your movement, be explosive and feel strong. So um, it's definitely like a little back and forth. Um, but the most of the resistance I saw was just for me playing, being a punter, like in the snatch the injury. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. have, um, like, during these times, did you have, like, uh, a program that you would write out for yourself and follow, you know, a certain, you know, wave of intensity based on, you know, what type of area, like, what type of part of the season you were in? Or did you go mostly by, like, how you felt that day um, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um, one, of the, one of the things that was interesting was, like, Becky challenged me to, to learn different systems. So we, she said, "Hey, look at look at look, look at what the Russians are doing, and like go find literature, go go read, go write, go study, and like let's 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 lift like that for a year and see what happens to your body. And let's look at the Chinese system. Let's see. Like, I don't have the body to lift like that, but I mean, we tried systematically to like teach me weightlifting from different perspectives, so I had a well-rounded view and not just um, figure out how to do it for myself kind of thing. So we we spent a lot of time with with different." Um, different theories and different thought patterns and um, that were prevalent to, to whatever the times were. And also like, we're gonna help me develop as a, as a didn't know it was gonna be coach, but help me develop as an athlete. So I had a, a good grid for like what my body needed to be doing. So we spent a lot of time within other systems just trying to learn and grow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I came from, you know, kind of the what you were talking about uh, more to the negative spectrum where it was push heavy, pull heavy, leg press every once in a while. Um, it, you know, and I almost have some resentment towards the program that I came from because I didn't pick up a barbell and I didn't do anything like that. Um, but I, what I do benefit from is I became a really good bench presser and I became really good at pulling heavy and pushing heavy. Right. So it's I have I have that, which I appreciate but I never got the opportunity to, to get coached in weightlifting. And it makes sense that, you know, maybe the program just wasn't comfortable with doing it. One of the things that's kind of interesting when you, when you talk about that is like most of the, most strength coaches from like, we're all, we're all, I'm, I'm a little older than you guys, but we're all in the thirties. Right. So mm -hmm. when we saw strength coaches in high school and college and in the pros, those guys have usually had those jobs for a very long time. Like those guys are, right you know, 30, 40 years into it and 30, 40 years ago, strength conditioning looked completely, completely different. The, the, especially the football athlete looked completely different. Like, you know, in the eighties, eighties and early nineties size was king. Like you have got to be bigger. You can't play like right. fullbacks were prevalent. The, the tight ends were big blocking tight ends, not necessarily like route catchers as they are now. So you train the guys different. You know, as the game changed, the, the athlete evolved. Now we're, look fast forward 20 30 years we've got nothing but speed that's all that matters you have an offensive lineman who weighs 260 if he can run and strong enough or you know your your tight ends can you have specialized tight ends now now it's six five and mm -hmm. 240 pound tight end and get you done and you don't need the guy that plays 275 280 that can only like run a button hook over the over the middle kind of thing so i think that changed also because um, back then they were training guys in powerlifting. Let's just get them big and get them strong. Like those those '70s um, Pittsburgh Steelers teams, the offensive line used mm -hmm. to boast that you know every one of our offensive linemen benches 500 pounds and pulls 600. It worked for them. They were running the ball down everybody's throat to win championships, so it worked, right? Now yeah. you fast forward that that team, they're going to get run around. 
because it's mm-hmm. the game. So what I think with that little bit of the disconnect was guys were teaching powerlifting and making guys really big and they weren't necessarily as fast unless they were just like gifted fast. Um, mm-hmm. And now the game is so different that you have to teach speed and you have to teach explosion and weightlifting now is more prevalent in those weight rooms based on what the athlete needs to do as far as being, being more twitchy. Yeah, that, that great, explanation, great explanation. And I mean, you're totally right. Even what was it over 10 years ago now when I was in college, you know, we talked about no Olympic weightlifting, no speed work. I mean, nothing like that. Like you said, it was all, all the training was just grunt work was just work really hard. You know, we would, we would pull ropes. We would do tug of war. We would wrestle. I mean, all things that, again, I I really appreciate as far as just a work capacity aspect, but there wasn't a lot of the, wasn't, wasn't a lot of the technique work. Um, I do want to touch on, and James had mentioned it earlier, kind of that transition now, right? So we have a, super successful career in the NFL. You are a super, you're not only a super talented punter, but you've now become super talented as a weightlifter. When did you make the transition? What was it that made the transition? Did you know you wanted to transition out of playing into coaching? How did all that work? Yeah. When I got, when I got done playing, I just, I, I took it, I took a year and I sat down and I didn't do anything. I just, let me just go be dad. And mm-hmm. be the husband and figure that figure that out that realm of life out. What's this like? You know, I was lucky to play for as long as I did, and that's you know, three quarters of my life was football in my hand. So the sitting down now and not having the routine of practice and not having to go make weight and to go train and have an mm-hmm. off-season conditioning program and these kind of things. So it was kind of it was it was an, it was uneasy for a bit. So I just kind of like sat back and enjoyed being done. Um, kind of wrapped my head around it a bit and started to think about what I was going to do going forward. And during that time, um, my na- I had two neighbors on either side of me that were high school kids that were um, talking about their strength conditioning programs. And I was just like, oh, it's interesting way to think about that. I'm not going to say names or talk <laughs> about the coaches. Sure. Um, but so they asked for a little more targeted help. So I, I, was, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you guys. No big deal. So we take them to the gym and teach them how to move a little bit, taught them how to, taught them how to weight lift, taught them how to snatch, clean, and jerk a bit, and just was like, here's, a, here's, here's something you guys can add to your repertoire as the strength coaches as you work through the stuff that they're teaching kind of stuff, right? So I was just hands off, but like wanted to help my, help my neighbors. That word started to get around a little bit, and then, you know, I had four kids in the gym, and then it turned into six, and then it turned into eight, and it turned into one of the, one of the coaches in the area reached out and was like, hey, what do you, you I've heard that you're working with some of our kids, you know, we're happy to happy to hear about that, whatever. So I had a conversation with some people and I was just like, well, maybe I wanted something here. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of sat back and I thought, and I was like, maybe, maybe this might, this could be a good groove for me to, to be able to have some impact. Like that's always been something that I've wanted to do is like be an impactful person and be a generous person. So coaching fit both of those um, areas of my character first. Um, and then I had the experience to, to, to earn some credibility that um, I've done this before. I know, how, I know high performance. I know how to teach it. I've lived it. Um, and that's how kind of how pro sports performance was birthed. Like um, Jason, Jason has the same uh, mentality as far as like our playing careers and what we wanted to see done and how we could, how we could benefit uh, the younger athlete coming up because we saw a gap there. there was, there's, a, there's a lot of strength coaches out there. There's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of bad ones, and that's just part of the game. Um, but we just wanted to bring us something a little bit different. So we transitioned into, all right, what, what, what's some of the stuff that we've learned? Like, I, I, got, I got eight straight coaches and Jason had six. We've got, you know, 
14 guys of you know a lot of information that we learned over the time and we sat we, we sat down a, a few nights in a row and got out all our old training programs and looked through it and here's what we liked here's what we don't like here's what could work here's what couldn't work for this athlete and for this sport and we really like put together a, pr a pretty comprehensive and unique program that works for our athletes based on us taking a conglomeration of all the strength coaches we've worked with over the times um, and then kind of made it our own um, so there's a lot of weightlifting in it there's a whole lot of speed development there's a whole lot of mechanical work there's a whole lot of unilateral work there's a there's a lot of stuff from some of the strength coaches that we worked with over time um, we put together a really cool program like that so that's how it kind of transitioned it was really organic it wasn't like oh I'm gonna go be a strength coach no that's what I want to do it just kind of like life was flowing in that direction um, and it fit my character I had I had I had the ability to do it I had to want to um, and then we just kind of was like, there's a gap out there. We wanted to bring, the reason we called it pro sports performance, we wanted to bring a pro style of performance coaching um, down to athletes who maybe haven't seen that level yet. Um, and I thought that was important. That's kind of where we've been able to separate ourselves a little bit. Um, not saying that we, we're, we're not the best. We just have a different model and it works really well for, for the people that we serve. So that's kind of how it happened going out of football into the coaching guys. No, that's awesome. I can only imagine like how exciting that probably was when you guys had that idea originally and, and started compiling all of this information and then retooling it as, in a way to teach other people. Um, you know, I don't think most people go through, you know, the experience that you had in the NFL and then retain all that information about their strength and conditioning practices enough mm -hmm. so to bring it to other people to benefit. Um, you know, I, that, that just probably was a very cool um, time. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's when it's like, you don't keep track of how many hours you spend on those kind of things. Cause you're like in it and it's like, so top of mind. Um, it almost like engulfs you. Um, yeah, that's a good way to say it, that. I always felt it, like, I always feel like what's in what's inside of a person comes out of them. Right. Yeah. Like my, 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 what it was in me to like be impactful and to be generous. What do I have to give? Well, I have, I've got a, I've got a, long list of accomplishments in sport and I can I could pass that along in some capacity down to somebody else and I'm a nerd and I like to learn and I love weightlifting and I love the body so it just it was it was really seamless like how can I help somebody I've got the expertise in one area specifically to do so so let's step into that and be generous and, and again you know hearing that that story from kind of your training and your your experience in the NFL um, and then you know that's when it was like, okay, I'm going to start working with athletes and I'm ready to give back as opposed to like, I feel like one main thing that, that we see a lot of these days is somebody just is like, oh, I'm going to go be a strength coach. I get an online cert and I start telling people I train people. And I, mm -hmm. I you know, and I, I think about how much of a disservice that is. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, we're at a time now where um, more is known about strength and conditioning that hopefully we'll see less and less of that as, as we continue to develop in this field. Um, but you know, those are t totally two different storylines of, of coaching and, 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 you know, the experience that you can draw from when you relate to these kids is so great because of all the, all the things that you've already been through, um, you know, that they're going to be going through and being able to provide that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really, that's really fun. I enjoy that part the most, being able to impart some wisdom based on some, some of my experience and not something I, not a, not a philosophy I heard or a principle that I'm trying to apply. It's, it's been a part of my life. So people, people see it's, people see that it's authentic when I talk about my experience or whatever. It's like, it's not hard to tell because I lived it. Like I'm not, I'm not making up something or, you know, 
looking for words to say. I'm just like, this is part of my story, and this is this is how I got here. That's awesome. So, how would how would you transition that from like you know now you're coaching athletes? PSP started, um, and and then when did it click that you're like I need to start a weightlifting club? Yeah, that was in that was in the beginning plans. We were okay. we were always yeah we were always going to start a club. Like I was I that was that was in the original business model was how we were going to do that. And, you know, Jay, my partner, Jason, he's been awesome through, through all of this time. Um, and he's not a, necessarily a weightlifting guy. He's, he's a, he's a strong, like Jay's really good unilaterally. He likes that kind of training. Um, just he played linebacker. So he's always off one side and doing things that way. So he, he had a really unique perspective on, he kind of left weightlifting. He was like, Reg, if that's your baby, like do a thing, make it grow. Um, so that was always in the plans for, for, for us to have a club. And I just, I was excited about it. I, I enjoyed it. I wanted to, I wanted to, I never wanted to like take over the world or do anything crazy with it. But like, if people wanted to learn how to do it, I'd be more than happy to teach him. And I was, honestly, I got some, some of the stuff that I started with was um, working with CrossFit people who were enjoying, you know, the, their CrossFit uh, area, which is great. Like, do your thing. Um, just do it safely and do it right. And I, I yeah. found, a, found a little, um, uh, I found a need there. So I kind of went after it a bit and just like, hey, just went around to some of the boxes and was like, hey, guys, I'm not, not trying to like, steal athletes or anything like that i'm not in it i don't need to, i don't need to do that but like if you wanted me to help you with your with your weightlifting you know i'd be happy to so um, i kind of extended myself to the crossfit um gyms in the area and some of them were receptive some of them not so much but the ones that are i felt like done a pretty good job getting them better um and helping them learn and grow with the sports um and it's been it's been fun so never never like a I want to have the most successful team in the country or I want to have the biggest team in the country. It's always been like, um, it's always been like third on our business model. Athletes was going to be our primary um, goal is to develop the athletes um, and then going into third. Um, so it was never like, I'm trying to do something crazy here. It was always just like, I, there's, there's, there's another, there's another piece of my expertise, um, that I can extend. So I'll extend it. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, something that's really interesting to me with how CrossFitters view Olympic weightlifting. Um, you know, I think there's plenty of examples of people crushing it, you know, from a standpoint of how they teach their people to move. And I think there's plenty of examples on the other end of the spectrum. Um, but I, I, I definitely like can only imagine like how, you know, how some people might get super defensive because it's like, what do you mean coach weightlifting? I already do that. I don't need any help. Um, you know, I feel like that, that is a common theme in, in the, in just being a strength coach or being a coach is like, you know, coaches tend to like to know what they know and ignore mm -hmm. what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to, I was trying to like look at the CrossFit. If you, if you came up doing CrossFit, you came up doing CrossFit, that's awesome. Do your thing. Like, mm -hmm. if you're adding on weightlifting, maybe get some help. You know, if you're really good at, like, programming and, and running a gym and whatever, and you've been got into, got into weightlifting because of another modality, like, maybe that's not your expertise and maybe there's some work to, to develop there. So I'm never going to go try to coach a, a CrossFit gym. Like, I don't, I don't have that expertise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fit. That's not that – doesn't, that doesn't work. So – um, I just wanted to like, same as you guys, it's like, just be 
be there for the people who want this um, to add on to what they're doing and just be a, be a specialist for people. Um, in that regard. Yeah, I think, you know, what, I, I was just going to say, I really think we do have to give, you know, a little shout out to CrossFit because they, they're the ones who put Olympic weightlifting, right. In, in a lot of people's, a lot of people's faces who hadn't seen it before. They could flip on ESPN and see, you know what I mean? The CrossFit athletes doing it at a high level. And then that got people into the gym to want to do it. I know the first couple of conversations I had about it started there too, just started at different CrossFit boxes and people talking about the lifts and then watching the CrossFit games. And so, I mean, I think that was awesome that they kind of moved it back to the, back to the forefront. And I really like the work capacity. Like, if you're working with an athlete that already has a built-up work capacity, they're way easier in some ways to help coach and train as opposed to, you know, they've also, that means they've done a ton of movements the wrong way that they have to unlearn. Maybe, maybe not necessarily in some cases, but like usually that's kind of like, you know, what we're trying to retrain a movement pattern. It's tough the more times you've done it a different way. Yeah, you're right. I got, I got introduced to, to CrossFit from the, the TV as I was watching the, I was, that year that I retired, I was just posted up doing nothing in the middle of the day. Uh, the games came on. I was like, and there was, you know, the couple of the more pop, uh, who's, who's the best guy? Um, Rich Roning. Uh, Roning. Yes. He was doing yeah. on TV. There was, he was doing a clean and jerk ladder. And I was like, what, what, what sport is this? So I, I immediately Googled CrossFit and then CrossFit gym. So I was like, I got done playing. I had only done weightlifting in like either a pure weightlifting gym or in a strength conditioning facility, I didn't know, like, when I got done, I was like, I don't know where to lift. Like, where else, like, what else do people, do people even do this in the public? That kind of thing. Yeah, just right, right. Then I saw that, and I found, I found across the strong zone, I met, I met Dave and, and, and Max Zard over there, and was like, oh, it, it's, I got in there, and it's not weightlifting, it's CrossFit, but right. <laughs> they were, they were, I, 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 I had no, I had no idea that weightlifting was, was anything other than a strength conditioning modality and a competitive sport. I didn't know that it was, uh, it had leaked over into some fitness area, which was, which ended up being really cool. So, and it was just cool. It just helped grow the sport. Like there was that many people who were doing snatch manager that I had no idea even knew who it was. Right. But you're saying you didn't jump in there and do Fran the first day and then do Cindy and then do, uh, no, Morgan my, or whatever the other workouts. My my first CrossFit experience was terrible, and I I love <laughs> I love the guys over there. They've been great friends forever. I did yeah. something uh, something hot shots or something. Anyways, it was it was like nineteen cleans and then a four hundred meter run and then some air squats and then some overhead. And I was I was completely gassed and was like, that's not for me. I just need to come in here and do a weight lift. Is that is that an option? <laughs> That's a super hard. Yeah, yeah, is that is that an option? Where do I sign up to do that? Yeah. James, you want to talk a little bit about development? Uh, about youth yeah. development? Yeah, so I think like, you know, in, in hearing you talk about weightlifting and then, you know, um just like the passion for teaching it and teaching it the way um, you know, like at it's you know purest form in terms of like, you know, how to help people move this bar better. Um, you know, I think one thing that I really take pride in is that like athletes that I get to work with from an Olympic lifting standpoint will take that to wherever they go. Cause I know that I'm not going to be the last strength coach to work with my athletes if I do a good job with them. Um, and I want them to be confident in their technique and their understanding of why they're doing these movements when they move on. 
Um, you know, how do you see weightlifting playing out in, in strength and conditioning here with our, our development of our athletes, you know, over the next five to 10 years, um, you know, in like the, you know, the 12 to 18 year old athlete range, like how do you fit that into your, your puzzle with your athletes, not so specifically with your weightlifters? Yeah, slowly, slowly and over time, but it's gotta be, a, it's gotta be a piece of it. I think the most, most sports, most colleges and most, I say most colleges are, are kind of, not kind of, but they're, they're back into it. I think weightlifting is like back on the map as far as like a, a really, really viable option for teaching speed without running kids to death, teaching explosion without just making the weighted box jumps all day. And there's so much bang for your buck, right? To be able to extend and transition, like there's, you guys remember all the slides from the USAW stuff, there's, there's so much like wattage that's available in regards of output um, at, off the floor from the second pool and through the extension. Like there's, there's so much bang for your buck for the athlete. Um, I, think it, I think it fits well to every sport. There's not a sport in it that doesn't need to be dynamically explosive um, off the floor in a, in a hinging position and all the way extended. Um, so it fits everywhere and there's different levels to it, obviously, as far as like, um, you know, a 12 year old, maybe just like teaching the, teaching the stability in the back, um, teach them how to push their quads, teach them how to like stay structurally sound as they stand up kind of thing. That's going to transfer to any and every sport. And then I think to, for the older kids, when they transition into, into college, um, coming from your gym and from, from my gym, like. They're well-rounded when they get in there. Mm -hmm. I think that's an, I think that's important for the athlete that's going that wants to play in college. Like it's not just on the field that's going to get you on the field, right? Having some work ethic and then also being able to train well and train smart um, really shows well. Um, we've had, we've had some maybe some underachieving kids that were uh, on the field as far as like underachieving kids that were trained hard and they knew how to lift and they got in there that first summer conditioning program and they knew how to clean already. And they knew how to, you know, squat properly and push properly. And they knew what, they knew how to drive through the ground and push off and create force to, to make themselves run faster. They understood how to like turn over and like get their hamstring to the ball when they're pulling through and striking the ground. Like they had those, um, they had those, you know, skills developed and that put them on the field quicker. So I think for the development of the, of the athlete, you're talking at 12 and up, like I almost, I almost rely on like teaching them at a high level early and then expecting the athlete to rise to the occasion. Um, I don't, Jay and I don't believe in teaching to where the kids are at, but like teaching um, to their ability that they think they want to go. Um, and I think the athlete will always, uh, the athlete will step up. Um, there's not too many athletes that don't have that drive, right? I don't have a ton of kids in my gym that um, mom and dad have to drop them off and they just, they're there for an hour. You know, if you come to you come to PSB or you come to T3, you're coming for a reason. And we get kids that are driven, so I don't have to like beg anybody to go hard. Like they're they come to do that. So now my job is to teach them as best as I can how to do that well. All the effort and energy that they come with and want to put forth, like how can I put their body in a position that matches where they're at, where their mentality wants to take them? So I think there's there's a lot of there's a there's a bunch of gyms. Um, I'm never going to name any, but like there's a bunch of gyms out there that like get in here and let's just get strong. We'll figure it out later. Well, I, I, I don't know if that's 
great for the long-term development of the athlete who comes in young and wants to progress to go forward. I think systematically building their skill set over time is going to be the most important thing for the athlete and then teaching them how to structure it into their sport. How do we use everything that I've just learned on the barbell or in any type of exercise? How am I going to use that on the, on the field? And that's one of the things we spend a lot of time on is teaching. Teaching, we almost want to like introduce the athlete to, to their body in a different manner. Like here's your quad and here's what it's going to do for you on the field. You're pushing off to go to pushing off to go to your right. What leg is going to be the functional one to make that do that? Which, which oblique is going to help you stabilize so you don't turn too far? Right. How, how are you going to how are you going to function your shoulders and your elbows to get yourself linear from going after pushing off laterally? So we're, we're, we're trying to like, here's here's how to use your body in your sport. You know, push off that left leg to make you go right. And your right shoulder is going to get involved and get you square again so you can take off. Like this is this is what we want to teach. We teach that to a 12 year old, 13 year old. He gets on the field with a bunch of kids who have no idea how to turn. Oh, man, boy, does he look good. <laughs> so I think like that developing that skill set at a high at a at a, at a high level early gives it gives them a great opportunity to be ahead of the game and wherever wherever they're going yeah and that's definitely why barbell movements are my favorite in the weight room is because uh, the automatic feedback a kid gets when they're hearing the right cues and when they're when they're you know set up in the right spot you know they feel faster they feel more explosive with another object they're moving um and they're having to move around um, and, and that's why I think I've just gravitated towards it too, because of the progress when you get that kid that's consistent and that's all he needs to be. Cause you said they come mm -hmm. hungry and now they're consistent. The, the progress in those first three months is incredible and they see it, they feel it. And then they go play and they know it. And I, I love being a part of that process with these kids, yeah. um, and, and introducing something that gives them feedback on whether they're being successful in that movement or not. Um, it, it's a little different too than like if a, a hitting coach is in a cage with a kid, they get feedback every swing, but that can get monotonous. I've been a hitting coach in cages running sessions and, you know, you could give the same cue to the kid and you're trying to get him to do something and he's getting the same feedback all the time. Um, and to me, this is a little different because the kid has a little bit more control of how they move that barbell sometimes than how the ball comes off the bat. So, man, there's a, I hope if you're listening, you rewind this about three minutes and then listen to all that again, because there was a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, I think the last thing I'll say on that is what we see a lot of times when we start coaching at the college level is you don't really even have to know how good an athlete is on the field when you see them in the weight room. The athletes that move around a barbell and move themselves through space, the easiest and the most efficient, tend to be, with outliers, right, tend to be the most athletic players on the field. Um, and I think that's good to see because I think other players see that and think, okay, I want to be like how this guy is on the field. How is this guy in the weight room? And I know when we start with teams, I won't ever ask a coach what position this athlete plays or where they're at or where they're out on the depth chart because I'll usually end up figuring it out in the first month or two of training. Like you mentioned, I mean, all, it's, it's all those little things. It's all those intangibles. Who's consistent? Who shows up? Who leads the best? Who, who also follows the best? Who puts in the hardest work? who asks the most questions, you know, there are a lot of things you see. And I think it's hard if you want to try to be that, that elite athlete. I think it's hard if you have to start doing that your freshman year of college, you have to start doing that as a sophomore. It's going to be tough to make up all that ground, but you start at 12, 13, 14 years old, you're able to, you're able to make all the, all the progress, go through all those bumps and bruises early and then just have that kind of carry you into your college 
and, and beyond if, if that's something that, that you're looking forward to doing as an athlete. Um, so I think that would be worth that last four or five minutes would be worth, worth, uh, uh, another listen there. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. My, my, my son's a good example of that. Uh, my, you, you guys have seen Christian. He's just turned 13 and he's 5'10", 180 pounds. And he's a big kid. Um, he loves soccer. And early in his, early in his athletic career, like we, we put him in everything because he's bigger, stronger, and faster than like all the kids at his age. Like that's just, he's that kid. Um, but he loves soccer. Baseball was great for him. Basketball was okay. But, and he's never really done football. He's just, he's not that. He don't want to hurt. He don't want to hurt anybody. Like he knows if he pops somebody good, he's gonna hurt him. Like that mm-hmm. kind of exact kid, just nice like that. Um, but we got to a point where his body was so big and he was so young that he was uh, having a hard time functionally moving himself well enough to be able to play um, forward in soccer. So he looks. He was so big and he just looked slow. And it was like, man, like the kid's not slow. He's just big. He doesn't have mm-hmm. the musculature in his body right now to be able to move that weight well enough. So I started, I said, okay, that's not, not make my kid strong so we can make him faster, but like, how do we help him develop the confidence to be able to run well? It had to come through strength and conditioning just because that was, that was the missing piece. So we taught him, he was six, seven years old. Um, I taught him how to do, I taught him how to just do a barbell squat. And we had a 15 pound bar at home and we would squat and progressed into like teaching him how to like lunge. And like, Tari was talking to him about like what, what that looks like when one leg's out in front. And how to like push yourself to go forward and faster these kind of things so it started to like he was almost like my my guinea pig to see if i could make uh make and build an athlete without using you know going crazy send him to a gym or some psycho trainer kind of thing that was just going to make mm-hmm. the athlete tired um so we just so i just like took my time with him and developed him over a, a longer period and um he's he's, he's now in the position where he he moves really really well he knows his body um he understands like if you if you were to coach him in weightlifting right now you he can tell you what he did wrong he could he can he understands that he gets how to move he won um when he was 11 he won he won national championships in the u13s like he just i mean taught him how to snatch he taught him how to clean mm-hmm. he's just yeah. big and strong and fast so it works well for him but what that does for him is like when he's in the he's a keeper now when he's in the goalie box and he's standing in like a hinge position of like, like picture the hang position at the knee. He's in that position. He knows which way, he knows how to explode. Yeah. He knows what, which leg to drive and how to get up and how to transfer his weight. And now he can do it faster and better because he's stronger and he's more efficient. So he's got the toolbox um, for, he's got the keys of the kingdom now. Like he knows how to move himself well. And now we just the stronger we make him, the faster he's able to do those things. So, um, that was kind of like, that was when like the rubber meant the road for me was like this weightlifting thing works for me. And I can translate that into a younger athlete, um, who, who's still developing, but it just taught him so much about how to move his body that he, he puts himself in, he's already a good athlete. He puts himself in like really, really good positions now to, to, to do some special things going forward in his play, just because, you know, he understands his body right now and it's continuing. I remember the last time I saw him and then, you know, a couple of months back from the last time I saw him, it was like, he was at my shoulders. And then the next time I saw him, he was already taller than me. And I was like, Oh boy, this kid's going to be, he's going to be a hell of a soccer player. Yeah. I was like, I didn't think I had any of those growth spurts. <laughs> he took a lot of kids growth spurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we'll, we'll use your son that, that conversation to kind of transition into a, 
a question that I love asking, um, and we won't take too much more of your time here, Reggie. Um, but I, the question that I, I'm always thinking about as I'm writing new programs or as I'm working with new athletes is, um, you know, or having conversations like this is, what are we as a as the strength and conditioning community missing? Right, like what is it? We hear a lot of it's especially now. It's sets and reps. It's a three by ten. No, three by twelve is better. Um, you know, is it the progressions, regressions? Is it getting a barbell in kids' hands earlier? I mean, things we've all we've all we've been talking about the last you know thirty minutes or so. Is it just the conversations that we need to have with our young athletes about you know body position and what's doing what? What do you think are, are you know one or a couple big things that we're missing as a as a community? Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I like that question too, and my answer is maybe a little different than, than what you might hear asking some some other coaches. But um, we're missing trust and patience, right? We 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 all know how to we all know how to make somebody strong and to make them fast. Like that's not hard. You get a you get a thirteen year old boy that is testosterone is flowing. Is I mean is he's growing? Puberty's happening. All the stuff that's happening to his body. You can give him 20 push-ups and he's going to get stronger. You could teach him how to drive his knee up and his elbow back and get his core tight and he runs, he's going to run faster. Like that's easy. That's mm -hmm. the easiest thing that we're going to do as coach. But the hardest thing we're going to do is earn the trust from the parents that it's going to take time. So what we got to do is be able to develop ourselves in a manner that we've earned the trust of the people that are actually going to help the kids most at home and then be, teach them to be patient with it. Because the process is the process. Like there's is as as let as athletic as any of the kids that we're ever gonna see, they're gonna be 12, 13 for 365 days before they get the next age. That is going to happen. There's no <laughs> way around it. There's no there's there's you can't cheat it. But what we need to do is be able to say, all right, mom and dad, this is the process. Yes, your son or daughter is extremely athletic, but you still have four more years before you get to like go to college. So don't put your kid in college just yet. Like let them be an eighth grader going into freshman and let's develop them on a long-term plan to get them somewhere where maybe they will even touch the top of their athleticism. But it takes a lot of patience. And the hardest part, especially in our field, is we're in the private sector. People are paying us for results. So mom and dad are stroking a check for X amount of dollars a month to say, hey, CT, hey, James, make my kid faster because one, I'm paying you for it. And two, we don't have time because other kids are getting bigger, stronger, faster. Two, we got to go, go, go. So what we've got to do is be able to earn the trust of the parents and earn the trust of the other coaches in the community and say, hey, we have got to be patient with these kids. Let them develop as on their own, right? They're just going to go through their natural processes, but we can't make, we can't rush it. And that's hard. It's really hard for, for mom and dad because they're, they're excited about it. You know, little Johnny's playing great and he's the best on the field right now. Oh, what if he goes to the NFL? Like people get big eyed really, really fast, right? But if they slow down and go, okay, what's going to be best for him? Well, what's going to be best for him is we got to develop his character first so that what if he does make it? And all I've done is talk to him about being bigger, faster, and stronger. And yeah, we did that. Well, now he gets in the league and he's a scumbag. And he's a terrible teammate because nobody developed his character because all we did was try to create an athlete that was moving better than everybody else. So where's the patience in all of those? Because if you're going to go to that level, whatever, CT, you saw it, like right? there's, there's guys in the locker room that are complete disasters. Like, oh, yeah. Just rough guys that were, you know, just bad men. I mean, it's part of it. But if we're gonna like do our best and like be hands-on as, as we like to be with these kids. I think the, I think earning trust and like, 
and then like continuing to develop our patients as coaches and, and, and not rushing the process and let, letting the kids develop and us doing a good job of like earning relationships so that everybody knows that we need to go slow and take our time so the athlete gets a, we get a whole athlete developed from their athleticism all the way through their character so when they leave us you know they go but look back and go man since he was really really man he taught me about integrity like i get that when james was talking to me about trust like oh, i need i need to be a trustworthy person and, and now oh i'm really fast and really big and i'm playing really well too and now we've got a whole person that we've actually developed and not just an athlete so um i think that's what i'm missing in the community is like the, this trust piece and this patience piece because we're rushing to make more money and we're rushing to say I got a tw- I got a 13 year old kid at my gym who's unbelievable. You guys see him. Watch. Look what I've done with him. So what? <laughs> I want to. I'd rather meet that kid when he's 20. Like, dad, yeah. good job. How's he doing in college? His grades good? Is he still playing? Like that, that kind of thing. So long term trust and patience is is the most important thing that I think needs to be a functional piece of what we're doing as coaches. And obviously, like you know, get mom and dad to buy into the process of it being slow. So I think that's a gap that we're missing a little bit as coaches because we get excited about the kids getting better. And he ran four four eight four, and now he's running four six two. And I've done a good job developing. I wonder if I can get him to four five. And then we just like here we go. And then we forget about the the kid actually being a kid and needing to develop in all areas. Mm. Yeah, that's that's so good. Great answer. Thank you for thank you for sharing all that. Um, you know, it, it would be easy if they said okay. You know, my son, Reggie, wants to get where you played. What's it take? And you say, all right, well, it's going to take you showing up, getting mentors, working hard, being kind uh, every day for the next 15 years. And they say, all right, great. No problem. Let's do that. You know, yeah. it'd, be, it'd, it'd be great if it was like that, but it's not that, either, right? It's not, it's not that. Because that's how I would say, oh, CT, how'd you make where, where you made it? I just showed up and worked hard and was grateful and appreciative of everything my parents and family were willing to do. And uh, I did that every single day for 17 years. And then I caught my first professional touchdown. Right. But it's just, you can't, those conversations are a little tough, tougher to have. Um, my favorite, my favorite story in this regard is my close friend of mine, Benjamin Watson was doing an autograph, an autograph signing. Um, and this kid that was eight years old, walked up and his dad, his dad was like, this is my son, you know, he's been killing in the, in the league and he's just, you know, he's just better than everybody. And it's going to be, he's going to, he's going to, what is, tell him, tell him what he wants to do. Tell him what he needs to do to get in the NFL. Benjamin looked at him and he was like, um, dad, how far did you go and play? And he goes, oh, I played, you know, I played a little junior high ball, play, you know, coach didn't like me in my sophomore year of high school. So I never got to play varsity, but you know, I, you know, I was sure, good sure. that kind of thing. And he was like, all right, cool. Like what's your wife do? Well, my wife was an athlete. No, she wasn't. She wasn't an athlete at all. And they, he said they were both five eight, three ten. Little man was, you know, already five eight, two sixty. And he was like, he was like, man, Dad, you didn't really do him any favors with the with the genes. Why don't we just let little Johnny play football and have fun? And let's take this, let's take the sting off of like, let's turn this kid into a professional athlete because he's good when he's eight. You didn't help him with genetics. You actually hurt, you actually hurt him there. So yeah, yeah, you set him back. He said this to this dude in an autograph signing in front of people. I was like, Benjamin, what are you doing? He was like, dude, somebody's gotta tell these kids like genetics is a part of it. Like it play it plays a major role. Like you don't you don't you don't look like CT just because you want to work hard. Like oh, that's funny. Like, there's some there's some serious genes there. Yeah, yeah, and he was no slouch himself, Benjamin Watson. Right, man. Right. 
but I, I just love that for just like parents slow down let's trust the process take oh, the time so good right and that that honestly takes some courage to say to a parent you know that's that's a tough that's a tough conversation sometimes and i'm sure we've all had them in in our own way in in, in the people that we've worked with but that is definitely a, a tough conversation to, to have with a parent but uh, it needs to happen <laughs> Yep. You know, I think I think it's an important important step in that kid's growth as a human being to kind of have realistic expectations from his parents on what's going to happen. Um, we'll uh, we'll close up. I got one more question for you, Reggie. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a nerd too. You mentioned being being a weightlifting nerd. Um, you know, I, I really want to hear your take on what you've seen in the last ten years. Um, just a couple highlights of really impressive things out of USA weightlifting specifically. Um, and then what do you think the next 10 years kind of holds for USA weightlifting and, and where the sport itself is going? I think the most impressive thing that's happened over the last 10 years is USAW weightlifting as an organization handling the growth that came. That was, it's been explosive. I think, I don't remember what the, at one point there was like 10,000 people and it jumped to like 37,000 people within like a year and a half or something like that. And they honestly weren't staffed for it. They had a transition from the old CEO to Phil Andrews, and Phil has been crushing it as far as like organizing and keeping everything like going, keeping coaches included, keeping the athletes developing, keeping like being being forward thinking as far as like what are we going to do for competitions and these kind of things. But the last ten years, like them handling the growth of the sport has been unbelievable. That they didn't they didn't. One of the things I also liked was they didn't like. They didn't like demonize CrossFit. They embraced it. They said, "There's a lot of our athletes coming from here. Let's embrace the sport. Let's how, how do we how do we serve them? How can they serve us? How can this be like a synergistic kind of thing to where we're 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 just about the athlete first? And that's what that's what's been really really impressive from from USAW. JP um, Nicoletta is a phenomenal leader. He's done such a good job in that area, and he's such a such a like logistical guy that things are getting done at a high rate and a very clean rate based on just like them communicating well and doing a good job internally. And us as coaches, we feel it. We know that they're working really hard to, to manage all the growth. Um, in the next 10 years going forward, who knows? I mean, just, it's just going to keep growing. People are, people, are, people are into it, and rightfully so. I mean, it's the best sports in the world, and it's amazing to, to, to feel that, you know, from five years old to 80, people are still lifting still snatch, still clean and jerk. And I, and I love that. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm interested to see where it goes over the next 10 years. I think it's going to go to a space where, um, where we, we, we develop even better models of, of, of how do we, how do we be more connected as coaches and how do we, how do we do a better job with our athletes and how do we do, um, how do we cement ourselves on the world scene even more now that, you know, the, the, some of the druggies are out, we're seeing, clean athletes, clean USA athletes on podiums. We're, we're getting in a sessions in world championships and doing a strong job there. So I think we're going to see, we're going to see more in that direction, just based on the diligence and, and the efforts put by um, USAW as an organization. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to see where it's going. Um, you know, it's, it's fun watching um, rolling black, you know, rolling, rolling back the old videos of like the IFW worlds and watching the old sessions of, you know, even the old weight classes, what those were. And then, you know, as you get closer, being able to like actually pull up a video where there's somebody from the USA lifting in one of those sessions that I'm pulling up to watch just, you know, and, and that's really cool. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what, 
what they start doing at the university level as well, um, making it a collegiate sport. That, that's something like I would love in five years to be, it'd be a division one, division two, II, division three, collegiate sport, whatever level it can be at. But that's one thing that I'm really hoping for um, to, to happen in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah, that'd be great. There's a couple of my, there's, there's some pioneers out there trying to get that done. That's been, that's, that's, that's been cool. I, I'm hoping to see that also. Yeah, I think there's about 11 right now. Um, it's like 11 or 12. It's around, you know, around that number. But hopefully it'll keep doubling. And uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, at every college, hopefully, at, at some point. That'd be so cool. Hey, and let's, let's finish with this. Um, for everybody who's been with us the whole time and saying, man, I, I love listening to Reggie talk. I really wish you'd put a book together for something awesome <laughs> like that. What, what do you have to tell these people who are asking that? And also, would you at all tell us quickly about your um, NFL record, your NFL rushing record? Yeah, so the – That'd be cool. I'll, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to hear that. I'll do, I'll do the football thing first. Like, so I hold okay. the record for most – or the longest run by a punter in NFL history. The, the intro to that lets you know that it's not really much. If you got a, like, longest run by a position, off, like, whatever, no big deal. But, the specificity um, yeah, of it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very, very specific record. But, uh, yeah, it was cool, man. Like, that's one of the things that, that I got to experience throughout my career was, you know, getting to, getting to do something that hadn't been done before in a space where everything's been done. Um, I think that that's, that's, a, that's, that's something I hold pretty, pretty special. Um, um, yeah, it was just a blast, man. Like I had such a good special teams coach that we were playing against the New Orleans Saints and they were very, very heavily man to man on, on their punt return team. And they were so well coached that we just took advantage of it. Like we knew for sure that they were, if they were in a six box, that without question, wherever our punt team goes, they're going. So our coach, the coach Seeley was just like, here, here's how we're going to do this. Like, we're just going to run, snap the ball and run on the sideline. So that's what we did. I mean, we snapped the ball and guard center tackle literally went laterally to the sideline and they just got chased and it opened the hole the size of, I think it was at least 25 yards of like a hole. So I take off down the field and, um, you know, the return, you know, he made, he made a misstep. I don't want to, I don't want to dog him. Uh, he, he made a misstep and I went the other way and kept going and, you know, almost scored. I was nine yards away from it. If, only I had CT's kind of speed, I would have scored for sure. That was not an easy guy to tackle either, right? You were what, two, 230 or so? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, I was like 232. I'm, I'm not sure the returner uh, was, you know, accidentally made a move <laughs> the wrong way. I'm sure he's not well, he trying went, to break it down. I told, I told everybody in the locker room that if we run this play, I am going to be on Sports Center for smashing a returner. Like, I was going to put my uh -huh. forehead in his chest, and I don't care, get the first down, but I was going to run somebody over. Like, that was the gig. And then yeah. I just ran up. I ran up, and he clearly was going to go low, so I just, like, made a little something happen and then I was like okay I guess I should probably keep going my plans out the window yeah <laughs> which I'm sure yeah, it still was, ended up on sports center yeah it was cool it was cool there was last year was the 10-year anniversary it was on uh it's hilarious they show that every year on Mike Wilbon and those guys I know those guys a little bit so they, they show it every year it's kind yeah. of funny yeah 68 yards that's an impressive rush for any position especially for for a specialist yeah, yeah, tell us about that book a little bit. Yeah, the book is the, the book I'm excited about. I'm 
I'm over the moon excited about it because I've, what I've done is like, um, you know, I'm a Christian and I, and I love walking with God. And I've, I've always been intrigued with my best self, right? So like, how do I thrive? That's the title of the book. Like, how do I thrive and really, really be um, the man I want to be at home, the man I want to be on the field? How do I do that? And I think one, one of the things that happens is, as Christians um, we love God and we'll do our best and these kind of things. But what we do is, is like we put stuff in front of them. Um, and there's a very, very clear picture in the Bible about not doing that, about letting God be first in our hearts and our minds and in our, in our worship. And what we do is we put, we put stuff in front of them. And it's, I think it's our sport that goes in front of them. We train so hard and so long and we do so much to try to get better at our sport um, that God winds up on the back burner. And we wind up, you know, we've, we've all been in a locker room uh, saying a prayer before the game, like doing a deal with God. God, if you, you know, just let me play great. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me hit, let me hit about a thousand a day. Let me get a, let me get a home run or so or, or catch three touchdowns. Let me, let me figure this out. And I'll, and I'll stop doing the things that I'm not supposed to do. And I'll, you know, you try to, guys try to make that deal with God. And it's, and it's, a, it's a position that's, that's not healthy for us spiritually. So mm-hmm. the, the book is centered around the idea of my, my best effort and God will equal thriving. So as long as I have God in the right alignment, meaning he's first and my sport is also important and not my sport is first and then God's kind of involved. So when your purpose and your identity meet, that's when thriving happens. So what I did was like, make this practical. Like, how do I do that, Reg? That sounds really good in theory that, if my if my my purpose and my identity line up, I'm going to do really good things for sure. But how do I do that? And what I did was I took an athlete perspective. And I said, okay, there's ten athlete experiences that are going to happen to every athlete, no matter what. And there's a biblical principle that I can marry to each and one of those athlete experiences that will get the athlete to meet that equation of identity and purpose and thriving. So what will happen? An athlete will play poorly. It's part of it. Every athlete is going to do it. When the biblical principle that needs to be understood that we can navigate playing poorly well is grace. If we have an understanding of grace and an understanding of poor play, we'll give ourselves a little break. Because as athletes, what do we do? We play bad, man, we wear that for how long? I remember being a young athlete, I, I would play bad in week one, and then I'm still thinking about week one and week six, and what did I do with those five weeks right. in the middle? And I just beat myself up, and I never gave myself the freedom or the space to go, all right, that sucked. I didn't play well, but the grace that God's shown me, the grace that I need to show myself is, is applicable and it's in the Bible and I can use it in this scenario, I'll come out of that. So when you understand your bad play isn't the end of the world and that you are loved by a gracious God and you get and you understood the principle of grace, your bad play now becomes thriving. And you can navigate a tough situation really, really well just because you've understood the athlete experience that's inevitable and a position of grace that you can fix in your heart and you will thrive out of that. Same thing happens if you play good, right? There's so many of these, like, and it's just like, I, I just want to help athletes. I want to help, want to help Christian athletes understand like, how do you walk with God and play well and have a good athlete experience, not just bog down your, and equate your whole experience as an athlete to, to your numbers or to your stat sheet or whatever. There's more than that out there for you. And I want to encourage athletes to figure that out. Figure out how to thrive in, thrive as an athlete in your sport and just really, really live your best athletic experience. If you play good, you better understand humility. 
to that play I just described, I got pretty popular pretty quickly. And mm -hmm. if I didn't have a good understanding of humility, that could have ruined my career. We've all seen that, that athlete that skyrockets after a big season and all of a sudden they're, in their head, they're, they're the biggest thing out there. And they haven't understood humility, what happens? Pride comes before the fall, man, right? We've seen athletes in a bad position just on playing well because they didn't know how to handle it well. So the thriving aspect of playing well is humility. So when I play good and I walk in humility, man, I'm in a really, I'm in the sweet spot, if you will, and I'm thriving. So that's the, that's the premise of the book is how do I get athletes to understand the correct alignment, God first, and your sport, and you're going to wind up in a good spot. So um, it's called Thrive. It comes out in July, and I'm, I'm beyond excited to, like, empower some young athletes to do some do 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 the do the whole work, not just athletics, to be the whole spiritual being that we're supposed to be. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Just uh, I couldn't think of a more like fitting topic for you to write a book about, man. That's like wow, like you you walk that every day, like that's you know that's the energy you give off when you coach and when you work with athletes and when you coach coaches. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And that's, uh, that's something for everybody to look forward to. You said July, so it's coming out in July. Yeah, that's the goal. We've got to figure out this whole virus thing, but I would love to get a bookstore open so somebody can go in there and get it. That's awesome. awesome. Where, uh, where can everybody find you? Coach on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on. Yep, all of it. So um, I'm Reggie underscore Hodges across the board, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Reggie underscore Hodges. I would love to connect with you guys. Awesome. Well, I, I'll speak for both of us for saying thank you so much again for this. This is incredible having you on. Uh, you've done so much not only for, for the sport of weightlifting, but so much for, for James and I personally that we really appreciate having you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and sharing your time, and we're really looking forward to the future, the next 10 years of weightlifting of, of July when the book comes out. Um, a lot of really awesome things to look forward to. Um, so again, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to having another conversation here soon. Um, and James, you got anything else? Thanks, man. Reggie, you're awesome. Always, always <laughs> great conversations. Um, you know, I'm always looking up, looking up to you to, to see what you've done with your weightlifting. And I've, I've really appreciated you as a mentor. Um, in, in that regard, as a weightlifting coach and as a coach and as a person. So I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Love y'all boys. We'll, talk, we'll do it again soon. Hell yeah.